Hey, this is James Cratch, Giants beat writer for the Star Ledger and NJ.com, and you are listening to JK, but seriously, Real Football Injury Talk. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Heads and Tails Fantasy Football Injury Report. You are currently listening to Week 12 of the 2017 season. Uh, this is Kevin and my host or my co-host, Josh. What's up, guys? Oh, that was very soft and mm. subtle. He's very tired. We, we just want to give a warning. We went to the Steelers-Packers game last night, which was a five-and-a-half-hour drive for us. Play-by-play, play, yeah. Yeah, Sunday night, so we didn't get home until – We came back after the game for – Reasons. Well, I had to work today, so that's why we came back. But we got back. It's at, time efficient. You got back at five thirty. You got back to house at five thirty. I was asleep by five forty-five. Um, slept for three hours, and then I'm here, still going. It's dedication. Like to, like to go to sleep soon. I took off of work, so I got to <coughs> sleep in a little bit. A little nappy poo. Finagle. I had two other podcast interviews today. So I was, I might have taken off, but, but you were it was not off. The grind never stops. It never stops for you guys. Uh, so this week is a little on the lighter side. This could be because we were not watching football this week. We were driving and tailgating. Watching and one game. Watching one game, uh, which didn't really have too many injuries no, of note. not really. Exciting game, though. Yeah, very exciting game. Uh, Josh's uh, Steelers won, and Antonio Brown, unfreaking real, dude. He's so damn good. Yeah, he's something else. It's even more ridiculous in, in person, I think, that, like, just the, some of the catches he makes, especially on the sideline, like in real time, you like, ah, it's not even, that's not even close to being a catch. Yeah. And, and then they slow it down and put it on the jumbotron. Like, holy shit, he actually caught that. Yeah, but when we saw that that last one he caught in live, there was like I was like, there's no way he caught yeah. that. But do you remember he caught that one right on our sideline down when at the goal line? he was getting line? tackled? It, it, yeah. When he like, uh, bent through it kind of behind him inside the five. And he was like falling down, going backwards, caught it behind his and head. And some guy was on him immediately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I remember it's that. Like one. He's just, just Mr. Smooth. They got two of the smoothest guys in the NFL. Yeah, him do, and Le'Veon. They do some silly things. Those those, those two. But okay, enough of that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, driving down the field for a last second field goal to beat my Packers, but it's okay. I feel like it, it was scripted perfectly. It couldn't the, have gone any any better for us. The wings made it worth it. I think. Your dad's winnings, yeah. Dollar Bill. Yeah, Dollar Bill's They were very good. He's got like a secret sauce. Yeah, secret sauce. His go-to secret sauce. Secret sauce. They're good. Nobody knows what's in it, Nobody though. Nobody knows. A little bit of everything. Yep. A little bit of everything. Uh, thank you, Mr. Boyd, for giving me the opportunity <laughs> to experience a, a, a Pittsburgh Steelers football game. I would say, I will say the the atmosphere – was awesome. It was really cool. Everyone seems to be very into it, engaged, excited. Yeah. It's not always the case. Yeah, it's it's different. It's I mean, I'm sure every place is different. Like Green Bay is different than MetLife is different than Dallas, but it's very it's very Midwestern. A win's a win. And a win, a loss is a loss. A but no matter what, <laughs> you better come with it because know. it's ninety feet to first no matter where home is i don't know where you're going with that it's a gatorade commercial i tried this again uh, in like another podcast i think it blew it but that one i think i got it actually <laughs> okay obviously we don't have a lot to talk about today so uh first off week 12 injuries amari cooper wide receiver for oakland concussion this was a um defenseless receiver related hit and yeah. he was like messed up yeah so he was the video up is on uh video is on uh the link will have it so, Brain cells aren't quite up, waking up yet. No, yeah, but still, I'm going to try to work through it. So he was – it was like a quick screen kind of. He was in the slot, and it was probably a 12-yard pass. 
and um, he was. It's one of those ones where he's going down as he's catching the ball. Like he knows he's going to get hit, kind of. So he catches it, and a lot of times these wide receivers, in trying to brace especially when they're over the middle of the field going towards the end zone and trying to brace for the hit that they know is coming. Like they're, they, they get, turtle. Yeah. They get small and they go towards the ground. So when, when the safety is coming up at the speed that they're coming up, I mean, they're just leading. I think like he led with his shoulder and he didn't lead with his head, but I mean, you have a guy coming at you whose uh, whose head and neck is going down lower towards the ground. You're gonna like you're gonna hit it. I mean, yeah, it is a penalty. I don't I don't know what else they can what else the safety can really do. I it, don't know if it was really necessary. Like, no, that's but he was going down. Yeah, that like, was, he was being in the process of yeah. being tackled. So I mean, you can't ever really assume that they're gonna be tagged. Like, but yeah, I, it's if you commit. And this is and this guy Simmons for Denver, like we talked we talked about similar guys all year. Like these these kind of guys play this certain way, so this is kind of how he plays. And I mean he's he's going fast. And if once he commits to making to making a hit, it's not surprising to me that this was the outcome of the hit. Um, yes, it's a penalty. Um, it's yeah, like you said, you, you you have to try to get these safeties to not. It's it's hard to tell safety not don't hit a guy, you know, but it seems like in these certain situations that's the only way that they're not you're not going to make helmet to helmet contact, shoulder to helmet contact, dangerous contact for the wide receiver, right. um, and especially when the I've, I just from judging from what we've seen this year, I would say the majority of these plays happen inside the twenty yard line. The closer you get to the end zone, the more likely the safety corner defensive guy is to. Um, think about taking a hit on the receiver, whether he might be defenseless, whether he might be a risk hit. reward. Yeah, yeah, it's like yeah, either I risk him scoring a touchdown, yeah. or getting or getting a first down to, inside yeah. the ten, something like that. But so it's but it but it's but it's a scary one because you can see he's like he's in that prone, frozen fencing position yeah. as they call it. For sometimes you're like there for a second and then they snap out of it. He was it, that he was, was like, out for yeah. a while, yeah. Yeah, it was like probably 10 or 15 seconds where he's like, you know it's bad when they have like both teams are like waving o- over top over, of him yeah. waving the trainers on as fast as they can. So, yeah. it's 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 a bad one. Like I said, I do you think you can teach safeties to not See, I think that one in particular is like super tough because he did significantly turtle. like make himself super yeah, and yeah. make himself small and and turtle. So like the target zone, like he had nowhere else one. to hit, and he like, was going straight. Like once you watch the video, he's going straight towards the end zone. I mean, he wasn't like we said he was. He was going down, but his shoulders and his head are going towards the end zone, and the safety is coming directly the other way towards the line of scrimmage. Yeah, so. I, I think this play is is tough in the safety. Like I, I I feel for them a lot of times. Like you know, I don't have sympathy for him. Yeah. I, don't, I don't really give him too much slack. But like on this one, he's in a tough spot for yeah. sure. It's, Especially it's, he's trying to break up the play, trying to you uh-huh. know. So, it's tough when you turtle that much. I don't know if you can get to a point where you can tell a safety don't. Right. Or even tell a wide receiver not to turtle. You so, can't. It's yeah. it's a nat- it's a natural reaction that a lot of those guys, especially those slot guys, do. And it's, we've talked about it a lot all year. So it's 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 an unfortunate one. But that's I mean, yeah, that's just uh, like I hate to say speed of the game because that's what people say. Right. It's but, the nature of the beast. One yeah. of those unavoidable yeah. risks you can't. Yeah. All right, next injury up is Paxton Lynch, quarterback for Denver with an ankle sprain. So, 
he this was like a non-contact. He's like rolled his ankle rolling out of the pocket. This isn't comical, but just the Broncos in general are just such a dumpster fire. And I like they were supposed to be a playoff team. Their defense is supposed to be top five in the league, and they haven't been able to find a quarterback. So Paxton Lynch was the guy that they traded up to pick in the first round last year. Played, I think he played the last start, the last game of the season when they were out of the playoffs, um, and he had some shoulder issues in training camp that kind of inhibited him from competing for the starting job uh, out of training camp and into the beginning of the season. So after they went through, within the last couple of weeks, he, I think he finally got healthy, healthy enough to um, start. So th- this was his first start of the year, and obviously they're three and seven. Um, so they're almost out of it at this point, but he, he didn't, they didn't score any points in the first half. He he got hurt in the third quarter, but it's just the Broncos are, and it's one of they're in the same boat as a lot of these teams in terms of the quarterback position where probably their best chance to win games. You tell them to play tomorrow. Their best chance to win a game is probably playing Trevor Simeon, a quarterback who they started the year with, but they know that he's not. The answer. He's not a long-term answer. So, for a lot of these, it's similar with the Bills and Tyrod Taylor. Like Their best chance to win a game tomorrow, no matter who they're playing, is to play Tyrod Taylor. But going forward long-term, they don't think he's their quarterback. So, do you play him? Do you play see if you have anybody else on your roster that maybe is a long-term solution? Um, so, they're in a very similar situation to a lot of these teams who are kind of searching for the answer at quarterback where – um, and it leads, and it can lead to a lot of shit in the locker room because the Broncos' defense is good, and they expect to be good. And when maybe they think one quarterback gives them the best best chance to win, and the team's playing somebody else because it might be better for the team long term in in the in the future. So uh, we'll see. Uh, you just you just feel bad. We have the uh, image up of him crying on the sideline, like crying, crying. Cause, yeah, everyone, everyone's been there before. Yeah, he just seems – and especially for him, it seems like it's been – starting the last two games last year, the last game of the regular season, it kind of felt like he was going to be the front runner to be their starting quarterback coming into the season. And then as soon as training camp happened, he had shoulder problems and he couldn't and he couldn't practice and he couldn't play, and then he missed the beginning of the year. And it, and it, it seemed like it took him a lot – longer to come back from it than even I think the team thought it was going to and now even though the team's struggling he finally gets his shot and he plays two quarters and now he's out for two to four weeks again so right it's it's just a it's a it's a you feel for the guy obviously but we'll see what happens with them so they 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 said they're playing Miami this week they said they're going to start start Trevor Simeon so he's just kind of the lame duck so he's basically playing for now. Here's a guy playing for his next job. You know, right. he started most of the. He knows year. he's yeah. yeah. He started most of the year last year. Started the first six eight games of this year. He knows he's not the Broncos' quarterback long term after this season. But maybe if he has a couple more good games here in the next couple of weeks, he can catch on somewhere else. Uh, next injury up is one that we've talked about earlier in the season. Uh, Greg Olson, tight end for Carolina. Uh, re-injuring the same foot, it seems yeah, like. Yeah, so he had surgery we talked about. I think it was week three he had surgery on on his he foot. Like planted we, weird. Yeah, and like a non-contact thing. And from everything that I gathered, there's no video of this. It just seemed like it wasn't a specific play. 
like he didn't plant wrong again and hurt just it. Like wear and tear. Yeah, it just it seemed like he was like didn't feel strong enough or it was it was bothering him a little bit throughout the course of the game. And he just decided to shut it down. Um, I think they're being cautious with him. Obviously, they have a pretty good shot to make the playoffs, and he's one of the biggest parts of their offense. So, I mean, regardless of win-lose this past week, if he's going to be healthy for the last couple of weeks, that gives him a lot better shot in the playoffs. So it it didn't seem like it's significant. It just seemed like it wasn't – Too much too soon? Yeah. It just didn't seem like he was as 100%, and they decided, okay, don't, play, don't play any more this game. Maybe sit out on a – uh, another week or two, and just make sure we're 100 percent when you do right, go back. Right, build up some field. strength or something. Yeah. Uh, next injury is Doug Martin, running back for Tampa Bay, with a concussion. Yeah. So this is another concussion protocol thing. The, again, this one was there wasn't a no video. I couldn't find a hit, a specific hit. The only thing I read was from a Tampa Bay reporter that said he took a hit on a running play. He was run, running the ball. Took took a hit and did the old ass guy of the game, like helmet tap, you know, get me out. Yeah. yeah like, up. Then need, need, need a breather. And he didn't, but he didn't, take, they didn't take him out and he stayed on for uh, the rest of the drive and the next couple of plays. What does that mean? And then <laughs> late, and then later in the game, he, I guess he came off the sideline and then complained about symptoms. And so he didn't come back in for the rest of the game, but I couldn't find uh, a video or anything of it. So it's just one of these ones that you want to follow and see. What what comes of it? Like Devonte Freeman still hasn't played. I mean, yeah, he got he got a concussion three weeks ago, but he had one in the in the preseason. But I mean, he still hasn't played for the last three weeks for for the Falcons. So, so they're taking it seriously. Yeah. So it's it just interesting to follow up with these guys, especially running backs, the guys who get hit multiple multiple times to see because that's basically the only way we can determine how serious they are. You know, uh, how how many games they, they miss, how yeah. many games you're missing, and how how early are they declaring you out for the next game, you know? Um, like the Devontae Freeman one, he was declared out for the next game like Tuesday. So you know it's they're not even going to bother trying to get him back um, to push it at all. So just another thing you want to follow. Yeah, we got another concussion up with Kobe Fleener, tight end for New Orleans. So we have the hit on this one up. So this was in the 4 o'clock game. Obviously we didn't see any of, any of this game, but reading just judging from this stuff on Twitter – and the pic and the video of the play, he got like a helmet to the chin, a helmet to face mask. It was a legitimate helmet to helmet. We said we t- we talk about helmet to helmet all the time. This was legitimately helmet to helmet. Right. <laughs> and I guess they didn't even pull him off the field after this hit, which is ridiculous. Um, and he he did after the game, they did say he had a he has a concussion, right? Or they put him in the protocol, something like that. Yeah. Um, but. And this is and this is my problem with, and we touched on it last week a little bit. It's like watching a freaking train, like a car, a car yeah, accident. Like, you can't stop watching. Any slappy anywhere can watch, can be watching the game and look at this hit and be like, "Okay, we should probably pull that guy." Like, I don't know if he has a concussion, but that doesn't look good. Like, yeah. Like, what is? I would like to know more about what they do or what the guidelines are or whatever it is, or what the specific duties of the independent neurologist is. Or the line of communication Anything. from them. Like, yeah. That guy is supposed to be the one that's watching the game to pull guys out. What the hell are you watching? But is that the same guy that also has to do the concussion protocol tests? 
I would think not. Because if it is, like, that's not a good scenario because then who's watching the game? The way I interpret it is that there's someone up in the booth who watches. Just watches. Just watches, and they, and they the, radio down. And then down. there's a doctor on the sideline. They radio down to whoever to say, hey, pull so-and-so. They need to get checked. But, th- like, it just seems like to me, for as much as they publicized that two years ago when they started doing it, there's just so many situations that we've seen this year where guys don't come off the field. Doesn't seem to be working, whatever their plan was. Yeah. And like I said, I rarely see it happen where we've seen a couple times where refs pull guys off the field. Now, I don't know if they're it's getting communicated to them to do it or they just do it on their own based on what they saw. Um, and you see it a lot where the trainers have to come on the field because the guy stayed down. But like if Fleener gets right back up from that hit, okay, that's great. I'm glad you got back up, but you need to like there well, needs to be some communication where Chris he needs Nowinski to go. Chris Nowinski said that he was shaking his head walking off the field, you know, like showing a sign that like something was not yeah. right or he was not feeling 100%. But the other thing too is yeah, he took a helmet to helmet hit, but like did you see how that defender tried to freaking tackle him? Yeah. Like that's like classic leading with the crown of your head like you can't like he put himself at risk of like a freaking neck injury. Yeah. Like, yeah. that was terrible. Yeah. I just, I just think there needs to be some – I and I don't know how how to do it, but there needs to – and maybe you make it – instead of making it a guy upstairs watching the game, you kind of like we said with having another ref on site, maybe there needs to be a, another referee who's not oh, – solely – Who's not – who's not in – one of the seven live referees who needs to call penalties and like like you're looking, you're watching it's the like game. Safety for manager yeah. to make sure that the yeah. pro- procedures are yeah. being executed. Yeah. For yeah. all like for all the in- technology that they have, the, he could be watching the game live on a tablet on the sideline, and he has the right watching to whenever he it. wants stop the game. You know, he, make it a make it a I don't know what color you want to make it a green, a green flag. Coaches get red challenge flags. Color rush flags. <laughs> the NFL can sell them. <laughs> Game used color rush flags when a guy gets a concussion. Um, no, but so head coaches get to throw their challenge flag when they don't like the like the call that was made on the field. This extra ref can throw his injury flag to right. stop the game and take the guy take the guy off the field. I I don't know if the NFL will ever do that solely because you're it's a, it's one of those things that would be you're putting a lot more um emphasis and you're putting a lot more publicity on the injuries. You know what I mean? So you got the freaking blue tent. What else do you need? Yeah, well they get to they get to hide the player inside the blue tent, but and they don't show the blue tent all the time. They show it I feel like I never accident. see it. Yeah. Um but if you have a ref who's stopping the game to take injured guys off the field, it's going to be blatantly obvious. And the announcer will go, "Oh, there's an injury. A ref pulling a guy off the field because of injury." I don't know if, and I don't. I just don't know if they want to bring that much attention to and it. And then, like, do you have that referee like be credentialed as like an athletic trainer or yeah. a doctor? Because then or... that's what the teams will complain about. Like, hey, what the hell is this guy freaking now? He's no. Sh- yeah. But it just it. I think that it needs to be something different than what it is now. Because obviously, what it is now, everybody can see that. They're not taking guys off the field regardless of if they – just without any gray area. Anything close, it should be it should be off the field. Like the college, like the college rule has, if you lose your – if your helmet comes off during the play, you have right. to, you have sit, to out. sit out of the next play. Yeah. Like, all right, you, you get a color rush flag to the face, you sit out of play. Yeah. 
you don't complain about it in college, but it's a it's a rule and it's been a rule, so you're used to it at this point. You know, I, I think one of the, it's one of those things where if they if it actually happened and they did it, I don't think people would complain about it. Yeah, think- people would get mad if Beckham got hit in the head and got a. Uh, helmet, 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 and they took him took off the him field out, for yeah. for a play or two plays. But at the end of the day, like that's gonna be, I don't know, that's progress. I feel I, like at least. I don't. I mean, this may be because I only pay attention to the NFL hits and all that. But I feel like in college, like you don't hear about people complaining about like safety rules and targeting and. Well, and they more complain about targeting in the negative sense that guys get ejected from the games for questionable hits that maybe aren't so bad sometimes. Right. It's a different discussion, I think. All right, so that was an interesting hit to talk about. Uh, another injury, another concussion is Telvin Smith, linebacker for Jacksonville. Yeah, so this is kind of the second tier of the conversation talk that we just had. So Telvin Smith, linebacker for the Jaguars, um, came up, came out. Like, we don't have the video for this one either, but came out of the game to be tested for a concussion, was cleared to go back in the game, went back in the game, and then came out later and was diagnosed with a concussion. We talked about this last week, I think, at, at length, but I don't know if you can ch- – I, I don't know if you can change this, you know. Um, unless you – unless you can change the way – you have to change concussion protocol to change this to where it's – and this is something that I don't know if the teams would want to do, but can you do concussion protocol in two minutes? Because it seems like that's what they do now. And it seems like based on how they conduct it originally, it enables guys to go back into the game. Yeah, and then you also have the thing of, like, the symptoms don't start until later, too. Yeah. Like, that to me, that'll be – you can't change that. Yeah. So, like, I remember – playing in games where I had concussions and I didn't really have symptoms until like yeah. after. So. so, I mean, this is a, th- like this specific instance is a great thing for people to complain about towards the NFL. Like, Oh, this guy had a concussion and he was playing, but who is anybody to say that the Jaguars didn't follow protocol and he seemed good to go. Right. Um, unless you're just going to go, if you go into the protocol, you can't come back into the game at all, you know, but then, I feel like then people wouldn't do it. Yeah, I don't think teams are going to want to do that. And they err on the side of like, yeah, you're fine. And players aren't going to want to go into it, knowing that if I go into it at any point during the game, I can't come back in and play. Right. So it's this is. I'm liking the site safety manager approach because it's like a visual authority, you know, to make sure that you're doing things the right way. Yeah. You know. Whereas what they're doing right now, I just don't. Maybe it, even make it like a former player. Yeah. Yeah. You know, all these former players want to stay in football and get paid. Like, you could stay in football and get paid doing this. Right. It's safety manager or whatever. Uh, we, 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 we've said it all year. I think everything the NFL does tries to be so um, optically progressive. You know, we want to be viewed as we're doing the right thing towards the fans and doing the right thing with, with concussions. But – it just seems obvious that they could do better. I don't know. I don't want to say more, but they could do. They could tweak it to make it a lot more it's efficient like they have, than yeah, it is. It's like they have to reinvent the wheel. A lot of these no. things are like already in place in other industries and yeah. other things yeah. like that. Like As we talked about last week. Yeah. yeah. Uh, all right. Now we're moving on to the plays of Week Twelve. Um, we got the Oakland Denver fight. Uh, you want to talk about this one or explain so how, this it, is, how it all went down? 
and the and the history. It's the basically this was a carryover from last year or late in the year last year. Akib Talib, the corner for the Broncos, and uh, Michael Crabtree, the wide receiver for the Raiders, who are both not by any means calm players on the field, um, got into it at the end of last year when Talib pushed uh, Crabtree out of bounds late. Crabtree came up and pushed him back, and then Talib put his hands underneath his shoulder pads and ripped his necklace off of him. Pretty and, thick necklace and, too, and was... then like ran, and like ran away, and like almost celebrated that he ran. <laughs> he, he ripped his necklace off. So obviously, don't don't they don't like each other. Don't touch another man's jewelry. So in the game yesterday, basically all Crabtree did was just an extended block on a running play, where he basically they just ran the ball red right with the middle, and Crabtree went up to Talib. Got him inside his shoulder pads, drove him back about ten yards, and then off the field to the sideline, and then back the other way, out of bounds, ten more yards, and then once he once they went to the ground, all hell broke all loose. Team, it was on the Bron. He was there on the Broncos sideline. So I mean, Broncos guys were everywhere. Raider guys were now the crawl like being thrown into the pile, and then it seemed like once it started to calm down, somehow Crabtree and Talib. Were on, managed to make their way to the complete opposite side of the field by the Raiders sideline, and were throwing punches at each other. I don't know how they got over there, but anyway, they both got ejected. So it's to me the biggest point with this is how can because NFL fights are not you can't compare them to hockey fights. Hockey fights are so. I mean, they have a referee right there. It's only one on one. Sometimes you see, in the playoffs. Sometimes you see like huge scuffles, huge scuffles between the team. But obviously, only only the guys on the ice are allowed to be in it. Mano y mano. Um, the referees, when it's more than just one on one, try to break it up immediately. But it's one on one. It's fifteen to twenty seconds, and you know it, it is what it is. Yeah, they do what it is. Duke it out. But these NFL fights are like bar fights. <laughs> it it just optically it looks a lot worse than you and me actually. Face okay. face face to face, throwing a couple jabs at each other. Right, like these guys are just like coming out of nowhere, blindsiding each other, just throwing fists everywhere. Right, like it's not. It 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 looks a lot worse. Right, like it wasn't an agreed upon thing. Yeah, they're like sucker punches. Yes, yeah. they're all sucker punches, and there's so many more guys involved, obviously, because there's there's more players on the field. Um, but how do you, how does the NFL? Um, because you're gonna you're gonna have these situations. I mean, we've had three or four this year, and you're gonna have five to seven situations every year. When a in however many games, two hundred and whatever games in the NFL every year, that it just boils over. You know, but how do you how do you make the punishment so vast that make it like college basketball with Alabama? Anyone who runs on the field to uh, to come in, you get ejected. Yeah, well, but they they eject guys now. I don't, and I don't know if ejecting is a deterrent. Yeah, when you're in the heat of the moment. Yeah, because these things are like so it builds up so quickly. Emotions that, are that, like I don't think Crabtree gives a shit if he got thrown out. You know, they're they're struggling. He doesn't care. Like he wanted to prove his point, but right. he did, and he got ejected. So I mean, can 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 you stop it? Can you can it? Do it, you want to stop it? Can you? Yeah. Can it, can you make a rule that if you get ejected for fighting, it's an automatic uh, suspension for the next game, no matter what? 
because um, that's one of the things we talked about with the AJ Green fight. Yeah. It's they the NFL doesn't whatever for whatever reason the NFL doesn't like suspending a guy after he's been ejected because they view the an ejection as a suspension because they're missing a game. Right. But I guess like how many if you ever seen an injury in a football fight like no because like i said yeah. it's, it's so it's so chaotic right so like people who really try to, cares people try to punch each other in the helmet yeah i mean if it's one thing if you're using your helmet as a weapon yeah but like I mean, player and if somebody did that obviously i think they would get suspended for a long time right um player safety wise i don't think it's a i don't think it's as much of an issue it's just optically it just looks yeah i feel like it looks bad for the nfl so i don't know if you if if you say a four game suspension, if you get ejected for fighting, the people the guys think twice about it. I don't know. You know what I'm curious about uh, with the hockey fighting is like once the visors are like completely grandfathered in to the NHL, it's like 95 percent now. It's pretty close. I know, but probably the guys who are left are the ones who fight. Some of them, yeah. Like I don't think. Have you ever seen a fight with a guy who had a visor on? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. I guess I don't watch enough hockey. Yeah. yeah. You don't watch enough hockey. Okay. <laughs> uh, all right. Next up. A couple plays. We got Jabril Peppers uh, of Cleveland, helmet-to-helmet penalty. This one was borderline, right? Yeah, I thought it was borderline. It's it's so tough when we slow it down and speed it up and watch it at all these different angles. But um, basically this was late in the game, and the Browns were down seven, and it was a third down that the Bengals had in – medium field goal range. So they were about they were at like the Browns thirty yard line and they threw a deep pass and it was incomplete and Peppers got called for personal foul. They got an automatic first down. They Brent Bengals scored a touchdown on the next play and they went up fourteen with less than ten minutes left. It's it's a tough one. To me I would like to think that's a good football play. Maybe it's a good football play that's just illegal now. <laughs> you know, yeah, exactly. It, it, yeah. It's I've I've I think I'm finally coming to grips that it can be both. It it, it can it can be a clean, um, good intentioned football play that you just you can't do anymore. Yeah, you know. I hear hear what you're saying, and I think you showed me this last night when we were at the game, and I remember watching it. And initially, I think I thought like, yeah, that should be a penalty. Is that remember yeah. when I said that? Yep. When I just looked at it just now, I I think less and less that it should be a penalty. Yeah. It's not dirty. It wasn't. It was like it wasn't that high either. It wasn't like at his head, Mm-mm. and he kind of just like he had the only way he could break up that play was by kind of throwing his shoulder and body, you know, at the the receiver the way that he did, and he broke up the play. He was five yards away from the freaking end zone, so yeah. like he's he's doing what he had to do. Yeah. Um, so I, I think that one was a, a clean play. Yeah. So, so the coach, uh, Browns coach, said, I'm not going to tell Jabil to play any differently. If he can lower his strike point a little bit, then great. Um, but I'm not jumping. I'm not jumping him or going to be upset with him because of the play uh, and how it happened. I'm yeah. not going to do that. So yeah, I mean, I don't. It. I don't want to say it cost them the game, but. Um, I mean, if he didn't break up the play... Well, yeah. If, if, if they caught the ball, they would have scored a touchdown. They would have been down by 14. If, way, yeah. if he broke up the play, then maybe they would have had a chance to go down and tie the game. Obviously, they probably wouldn't have done that to the Browns. But um, it's just it, 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 it's unfortunate to see... Um, it get called for penalty, and then they get to, and then basically have the game end when the Bengals score another touchdown. On such a, it's a, it's a, it, it, it's a coin flip call. It's not going to be egregious if it's not called. Right. Um, but it leads us into the next one where um, a Buffalo defender got called on the last in under a minute left 
um, against the Chiefs for a helmet-to-helmet penalty when there was actually no contact made at all between the players. <laughs> so the the Chiefs guy was running towards the sideline and kind of stumbling and falling down, and the Bills guy was going down at him and dove at him and dove right over the top of him. And he might have, like, grazed face masks, um, but if you watch the video of it, it's you have to slow it down to kind of see if they even made any contact at all. Right. And this kind of reminds me of like uh, a Kiko Alonso kind of situation where like can he could he could he have avoided contact and jumped over him and it almost seems like this Buffalo defender tried like to. tried to avoid the and contact he and he did and then he and got like, a penalty anyway. Yeah. And this is and this is where any NFL and officials can't really win because I've gotten the sense this year where the NFL referees would much rather make a call and be wrong because it didn't it wasn't helmet to helmet than not make a call and be wrong and it was helmet to helmet. I think they'll get in a lot more trouble from the league if they're if they're not calling it and it actually is than if they do call it and it wasn't. Right. Cuz it's an image I, thing. Yes. Yes. So I think there are a lot more Especially uh, the guy flew over top of him. It wasn't like uh, it wasn't like a slow play. Like he 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 was moving pretty quick. Um, so I mean, it happened really fast. And there might have been a little bit of sound there, where like I said, I think the refs judge by sound a lot. Um, but if this play could have cost the Bills a game, they're uh, they're up six with a minute left, and this the this penalty moved the Chiefs inside the inside the Bills forty. They go down, and they score a touchdown there, and they win the game. I mean, this it would be. Right. It could be yeah, – I mean, the Bills fans would be going crazy. It could, could it be – Bills well, Mafia. Yeah, it would have been the worst Too call freaking jumping off of well, who knows what. Yeah. On the tables. But luckily for the Bills, the ball doesn't lie. Alex Smith threw, a, threw an interception like two plays later, and then they, they won. But I I just I, – I, I've gotten the sense that – Football gods. Uh, yeah. I've gotten the sense that uh, NFL refs, especially this year, they're erring on the side of I don't want to get in trouble. And if it's close, I'm going to call it. And if I and we have to if we have to go back and apologize that we were wrong later, we'll go back. Hey, and I mean to be at the end, honestly at the end of the day, I don't feel like that's a bad thing. No, it probably isn't. It's just you would wish they would be able to get it right without having to fear, you know, if they can just referee the game. And if you think it is, call it. And if it's not, don't call it. Don't call it because, or don't call it because you're afraid of getting in trouble for not calling it. That's the wrong way to do it. I think that, that, that we brought this up in a previous episode of, like, the NFL not having their back. Like, yes. they're, the, they're the face of the mistake or the yeah. correct call. Yeah. And, like, they don't, let, they don't have anyone backing them saying, like, you know what, we support your wrong yeah. decision or whatever. Um, all right, as we kind of wrap this thing up, it wouldn't be a, a fancy football injury report without talking about uh, Vontez. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> Vontez was – penalized for pretty much a, it was a, a legal hit technically yeah because uh, it, it was within five yards uh can you explain a little further there so this is where the browns um receiver is running one of those shallow crossers so he's starting on one side and running all the way across the field on the other side but basically two yards past the line of scrimmage so right past the lines so the rule is if you're within five yards you can hit um Defensive players can make contact with the with with the receiver within five yards. Um, so, I mean, technically it's legal. The only thing that we can't see from we have the video up. It wasn't it wasn't terribly helmet to helmet. It wasn't 
It wasn't. So he got suspended in the preseason for a similar play where the fullback was within five yards on the Chiefs. We talked about this the first week of the season. The fullback was within five yards, but the difference was the ball was out and the ball was over. Nowhere near. Yeah, the ball was over Burfick's head. Burfick saw Alex Smith throw it deep down the field and he laid him out he anyway. blew up the guy anyway. So the only problem is from this angle, you can't see where the ball is. Yeah, you can't see if the, it, if the quarterback still has the ball in the pocket, as long as it wasn't helmet to helmet. Yeah, you can do that. Um, is is it a penalty because it was perfect? Probably, um, but like we've said, this is like the second or third time that he's gotten a penalty or um, done something that the coaches or his teammates have come out and defended him for. But like, he, he, you've dug your own you've dug your own grave at this point. Like you have such a bad reputation for doing this stuff that you can't complain when you do something. That you're going to get a penalty. Line. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you can't do it. So, but I would, I would like to see where the ball is, um, and if he's looking at the ball and where. Like, well, he, you'd think he would get fined if it was something yes, similar to yeah. the preseason hit. Yeah. You know, so if it was yeah. clean, he's probably not going to get fined. Yeah. So, so we'll see. But I mean, stay tuned. He's he's an all pro player. Like he 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 can see where the quarterback's eyes are. He can see if he's gonna if he's truly looking at the guy crossing as as a, as an option to catch the ball. So, but like I said, I can't really tell from the video, but. Also, he can't. He he has no he has no ground to stand on. He he can't complain about anything that happens to him for the rest of his career because he's done so much stupid shit forever. Yeah. All right, we're gonna wrap up the conversation with a little uh, turkey talk um, and players' reactions to the Thanksgiving Thursday games. Yeah. So we touched upon this a little bit uh, going into the Thanksgiving week, but for all the talk of all the players of and everyone who said how much they hate. Thursday night games and hate Thursday all year. You get to Thanksgiving and everybody loves it. Like it's like, oh, it's such an honor to play on Thanksgiving and all this stuff. It's 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 interesting to think about. And like I get it because you grow up and all these as the kids who or the men, the guys who are playing now, grow up as little kids watching football on Thanksgiving. Yeah, watching football on Thanksgiving. So it's almost an honor and a privilege um, to play, but. So it was just interesting to see how many uh, across the board guys on every team come out and say how how much they appreciate the opportunity and enjoy playing. Like the the we made such a we make such a, such a stink about Thursday night games. Um, the Lions play the Detroit's in the Central Time Zone. They're playing at eleven thirty local time on on Thursday after playing on Sunday night. It's a full eight hours earlier, nine hours earlier than a true Thursday night game. It's starts eight thirty, but they love it. Um, so it's just it's one of those things. It's interesting to have to see the players' perspective for as much as they complain about it. To um, hear them say what a privilege it is to play on Thanksgiving, which is, like I said, if they if they get rid of Thursday nights, I don't think they they'll never get rid of Thanksgiving. Um, it doesn't sound like they want them to either. So. No, and I, I I think that would I think the public would be. Can you imagine no football on, on Thanksgiving? What the hell would you watch the parade? Yeah, and the, and the dog show, and that's it. Then you have to talk to your family. You know, like who wants to do that for that long of amount of time? You know, but careful what you say. <laughs> people listen to this. People listen. Who might be offended by that? People listen. But, <laughs> so, uh, but we'll—I'm uh, sure we'll talk more about the Thursday Thursday night stuff as uh, as the season winds down to kind of see what their their plan is. I'm sure. I'm sure they'll start to leak out what they think think they're going to do. So, well, all right, Josh, get some rest. We'll we'll come back re-energized for next week. And we'll uh, 
week, week lucky 13. Yeah, lucky 13. Let's Buy see what him. happens. Yeah. Buy him. Never know. Good thing they don't play on Fridays. <laughs> uh, Have a great week, everybody. Peace out.